0: Been at Frail with me today. He is a huge celebrity agent, also the author of the book Aiming High. Darren Prince, thanks for coming on my show and congrats on 11 years of sobriety. You're one year ahead of me.
1: Thanks for having me. We all have the moment of right now. That's what matters.
0: That's true. And I will admit your book is on my Audible wish list, so I have not yet read it, but I want to. And just name drop some of your clients real fast. I mean, Magic Johnson, Paul Magic Johnson,
1: Colgan, Dennis Rahman, Denise Richards, Carmen Electra, Chevy Chase, Ric Flair, and a bunch of others. Charlie Sheen. I was just
0: with them two days ago. So I'm sure you had many opportunities over the years then to party with them mm-hmm. previously. But let's get into your backstory because uh, what was your drug of choice was opi- opiates. Okay. How did, how did that get into your life?
1: 14 years old in sleepaway camp, I had horrible stomach pains one night, and I had the counselor take me to the infirmary, and thinking nothing of it, this nurse gave me this clear cough syrup cup with this green liquid, I took it, and it tasted disgusting, but five minutes later, as I'm walking back to the bunk, all the insecurities I had as a kid, <laughs> all the feelings of less than, being told I had a learning disability, not fitting in, not feeling comfortable one way like that, and I got back to the bunk, I was the cool kid the talkative one flirted with the girls next door. Everything I wasn't able to do without...
0: What like, was the liquid? It
1: was uh, liquid Demerol.
0: Demerol. Yep. Okay. So
1: for three weeks, I did this every single night. I complained of stomach pains until my mom and dad found out what I was taking, and that was it.
0: And the people at the camp just kept giving it to you?
1: The nurse, yeah, every night.
0: In hindsight, probably that wasn't the best idea. They probably but when I to speak, the there's so many
1: mothers and audiences that come to me after I speak, and like, oh, that, that nurse, and I said, it wouldn't have mattered. Because four months later, I was at a dentist appointment getting my wisdom tooth removed. Same effect from Vicodin's.
0: Well, how do you then, from 14 years on, and and how long was your the span of your using?
1: 24 years.
0: 24 years. So how do you get all of this stuff? Because clearly, did you have a bunch of different doctors? No, not one doctor is going to supply for, for as your I, need. As I
1: talk about in Aiming High, in my book, I started a very successful baseball card company at 14 years old. Okay. And by the time I was 16, I was making upwards of a quarter of a million dollars a year back in 1986.
0: What was the What was the so, company doing?
1: Selling uh, vintage, high-end, collectible baseball cards. I had okay. stockbrokers all over the country, investment bankers, uh, high net worth individuals. And I'd go to trade shows on the weekend, buy, sell, and trade. And during the week, I had a cell phone in my locker at school and became a huge business.
0: So you had extra cash flow. Then did you have a bunch of dealers, or
1: back then I had to get it off the street. When once I turned 18, it was a lot easier to get them from doctors.
0: Would you like pay the doctors off to give you no, never? or did you have a bunch of them?
1: No, but at, at some point when I started Prince Mark and we a grew, probably around 24 years old, I legitimately had sciatica between working out and the stress of uh, the representation industry needing to perform at the highest levels. Then it was just so much more believable. I mean, there was times I would. You know get hulk holgan on the phone with one of the doctors to say hello or i bring smoking joe frazier into the office so they see this guy that's got it all together on the outside i call and i need 100 oxycontins or vicodins it was before the opiate epidemic it right did he get
0: were there times you were just like out of it when you needed to be performing for things
1: you know, for the most part i functioned at a very high level a lot of people didn't know uh, how how dark and and sick it really got for me Maybe about a year and a half before I got clean, Magic Johnson, and I had a talk on the phone. He was very worried about me. And Hulk Hogan might have been the only other client that knew.
0: I just had a memory come back of one time because I had major headaches when I was um, younger. And so I would take uh, SOMA, muscle relaxers. Oh, uh, but I took them all the time. Sure. And I remember going to an audition for like a hosting gig and I was so messed up on them and i could not i had to do it like a speak. thousand times yeah so that, that's what i think of when i think of like those type of pills just like lunching yeah. out how do you do everything but you were you were high functioning it,
1: it, it worked i it was very very high functioning i think um opiates just with me a lot more than other drugs and when i when i became an agent too, you have morality clauses so i got rid of all the illegal drugs at that point and opiates were perfect because now i can get the prescription legally travel with them You know, have a couple drinks here and there, and I was good for a long time.
0: So alcohol or Coke, like, none of that was a really big issue. It was just the pills.
1: You know, I dabbled ecstasy, Coke, booze, you know, probably a little bit of everything, marijuana. Uh, But like I said, I knew I was able to function at a very high level in opiates.
0: But isn't it interesting, like, looking back now, that's what you were... You know, you probably were shy, or you, you felt left out, as as did I growing up. And then all of a sudden, like this changes your personality, it brings you out of your shell, and you're like, I don't care about like not being liked because, whatever, I feel so good.
1: And I had the money, and I had the life, I had the house, the cars, the woman, everything came with it. But, you know, ultimately, I was looking for that outside fix that was really an inside job yeah. that crashed and burned when I was 38 years old.
0: Let's, let's get to that. So when um, did, you, did people come to you and say, hey, you have a problem? Or did, is it something you realized on your own?
1: I, I knew it on my own probably three years before I got clean. Uh, I had my first overdose. I was in Las Vegas with Dennis Rodman. And for the record, he's never done a drug in his life. Dennis' drug is alcohol. But I had a horrible case of bronchitis that oh. night. And I called the doctor to the room. He gave me a prescription for Tosinex Co-op Zero. Bottle of Vicodin and I washed it down with some vodka red bone cranberry and you know I was on the ground shaking trembling heart palpitations foaming at the mouth and my then wife called the paramedics they knocked down the door needle in my arm oxygen mask on my face as I'm praying to God don't take me I'll never do this again and um you know, three was, hours later I woke up I looked at myself in the mirror and I said you sick bastard look at you who who does that who mixes all that stuff I finished the rest of the x and chopped up five vitamins and stored it and went back to bed because it was the vodka, red bull, and cranberry in my sick, degenerate brain. And uh, about a, maybe a week or two later, I was put on Suboxone for the first time. And uh, But I was still on antidepressants, anxiety pills, Ambien before I went to bed tonight, mood stabilizers, and drinking a couple days a week just when I was out with clients because I was just numb. I didn't want to live anymore. Well,
0: then when... I know it was like July
1: 2008, 2nd. right? July 2nd. So what... Yes of 88.
0: <laughs> what did you, you know, when did you turn it over?
1: My uncle rather? and his then girlfriend came to visit me on July 1st. They're both in the 12-step fellowship. And I had no idea they were coming. They flew in from Miami to see my mom. And she looked at me, having no idea who I was, asked me what was wrong. And I spilled my guts out for a bit reason. I felt this connection to this woman, Andrea, that saved and changed my life. And... Um, you know, she's like, do you realize you're an addict? Your life's unmanageable. Do you realize you're powerless? I said, like, yes. Do you realize that even with all this, it doesn't matter if you're from jail or jail or Park Avenue or Park Bench, that the disease of addiction does not care. It'll take mm-hmm. you six feet under. And I said, absolutely. And she put me on a mm-hmm. detox plan. And that night, July 2nd, it was about seven o'clock. I came back from the gym and I thought I was taking these non-narcotic anxiety pills out of the medicine cabinet. And out came a couple Percocets or Vicodins, and, for a split second it seemed like a gift from God and I fell to my knees shaking trembling and crying and I had the white light I had the white light because I was screaming I can't do this anymore I need your help and I rose to my feet I flushed the pills I felt this burning hot sensation I heard a voice I got you and you're ready and ten minutes later I was in a taxi cab there was no uber back then uh, on my way to a 12-step meeting I walked into a church basement with about 150 Addicts and alcoholics and threw my hand right up with no shame, and they said, "Is anybody there?" And that what I thought was my bottom turned out to be a brand new beginning.
0: Yeah, so you didn't have to do rehab or anything.
1: You know, my ego was too big; I was too important to you know do rehab. But I would never, if I had to do it all over again, do it the way that I did it. I would absolutely have gone to rehab.
0: Yeah, that's that's what I did. And, and when I'm asked, you know, what advice I have for people, it's like, well, you know, that that was the way that. It's super I did it dangerous days. with
1: everything that I was on to really? bring it
0: Yeah, well, that I did. well, you're lucky many times, especially with the overdose, that you're still here. So I'm guessing, obviously, the reason you wrote the book was to help people share your story.
1: Absolutely. My father passed away on February 15, 2017, and he was so proud of my sober journey, but he wanted me to write a book of business and the successes, the ups, the downs, and I got through it all and turned it all around but i just i was like that's so egotistical i don't want to i don't want to do that and then i had a publisher i was talking to in new york city and then we met i met with anna david in la one day and she goes your story is amazing if you take people through this fly on the wall journey i've got this amazing writer christmas McInnes, and ryan hampton was at that meeting and i said you know what this could work now it can actually share with people what it's like to be in this industry but also being so broken at the same time. Mm-hmm. But coming out on the other side and how I turned it around, and that was it.
0: What has the reaction been? Because I know that you've gone like all over the country in doing
1: interviews for it. it it's, it's been incredible. It's not slowing down at all. It's actually getting busier. Um, there's a second publicist at my office had to retain uh, the books writing in the second or third printing, and... I never in a million years expected this. You know, I wrote it almost as my own form of therapy to help some people. But 57 speaking engagements last year. There's a lot more coming up this year. There's another bureau I just had to sign with because we're just so busy with Prince Marketing Group stuff. But Mm -hmm. I have to balance it out. I have a great team of agents that work with me and uh, just make sure that this comes first in my life.
0: What are your thoughts on... um like the the anonymous aspect of it. Because if you are, you know, 12 step focused, I just had this like, conversation you just...
1: in Tampa. I got to more road meetings than anybody in the world. <laughs> I, and I'd be, I'd be willing to say in the history of this fellowship, just in the past year, London, Anguilla, Monaco, Sydney, Australia, Nice, France. I was out uh, for Magic Johnson and Cookies uh, birthday celebration um, because that's how important this is to me. And I was kind of laughing when I hear the anonymous part because I had the privilege to go to Dr. Bob's house On my nine year super birthday and him and Bill W mm-hmm. found the fellowship in, uh, in June of 1935 And the tour that I got that day the man told me that Bill struggled in the early 70s with the anonymous part so badly He finally did an interview with Time magazine because he felt the future of the 12-step fellowship was to share this gift,
0: to tell that, That's what I, I mean. I, people are uh, uh, hit me up all the time like, well, why You know, why are you out about this? It's like, uh, to help people. It's. I don't think that you can only get sober in a church basement somewhere.
1: And if God, like 100% agree, if God forbid I got hit by a truck or God forbid Darren Prince went bad tomorrow, you mean to tell me I haven't helped a single person? And then here's the real gift. How about the people that come back after having time and you realize that? not better out there i need to hear that right because there's that time this brain thinks oh maybe and no just because i got 11 plus years it doesn't mean my brain's still not off and out of whack you know i need that connection with all those people but i'm completely i look at it as you know a means attitude adjustment to me at this Mm -hmm. point when i look at oh i think that
0: i think that everyone should do the 12 steps
1: if you take that word alcohol out of the first step every Word in those twelve steps can help every single individual on earth live live the perfect spiritual
0: life. Oh, I, that's what I was just saying. I completely agree with that. It's just it, it recently, you know, in trying to get people to come on my show, that's that's a major thing. A lot of people don't want to talk about it, mm-hmm. and or like I said, like I get asked why I am talking about it. So I, I hope that. And, and the purpose of this, too, is like to, to change the, the stigma. And yeah. I mean, I, I'm fine with whatever anyone else wants to talk it's about. Everybody's preference, whatever they want. exactly. Right. And all I can do is just like, you know, I mean, you're you're a role model to me, especially with this book, because I am myself am writing one that's got the news and news aspect with. The, this story, and we and we have about the same time because I, I feel like so many of these books that are out there um, come from someone writing them right out of rehab, or their whole book is like, these are all the crazy things that I did, and then I got sober at the end, and you're like, well, are you still sober? Like, I, and then what? Exactly. So I like the fact that you probably had like a decade of sobriety before you you yes. started this. Exactly. So exactly. I mean, in here, do you? Like I said, I, it's on my. I'm definitely going to listen to I like listening to my books <laughs> better than reading them. But uh, do you give tips for people?
1: Absolutely. You know, it's got my worst stories, but right. I think anybody in recovery, we all have that. that mm-hmm. That's not what gravitates me to stay on this journey and to get what I need one day at a time to stay sober. I want to hear, as Dr. Drew and I talk about, when somebody made that turn, what happened? Right. You know, and it's not about what we do to get sober, it's what we do to stay sober. Exactly. And that's what it's about.
0: Yeah. Um, and then your life, I mean, as you mentioned, you have lots of things going on in it. Um, how, how do you cope when there's bad events that happen? You
1: no, know, I deal with it. Uh, Danish drama with North Korea. Uh, you know, a lot of my clients, you know, have issues from time to time. And I'm like the voice of reason now. Which is amazing. Right. And it was never that way before. You know, I was the one that sure. everybody had to kind of worry about. Uh, Darren's not right today, or is he okay? But, you know, to be able to be that voice of reason to not just my clients, but, you know, friends and family members and just random people I bump into is incredible. And what a gift, you know, that we're able to stay in the present, stay in the now. Um, and, and just work through everything with all these amazing coping mechanisms now, and our perspective and perception changes on everything mm-hmm. in life. Once you not only get sober, but stay sober.
0: Yeah, that's why I always want to share just how amazing life can be. But but when you are <clears throat> contemplating getting sober, you don't understand that that's a possibility of having. Oh, uh, you know, life. And it's too... I mean, you're like, I can't. I, I just want to get messed up and numb it, out. It, it,
1: it's too overwhelming. And, um, you know, just can't think that far ahead. So I just tell people, just stay in that moment. And then when you get that thought, oh, I want to get high or I want to drink, I'll do it tomorrow. Right. Because the idea is it's going to pass today. You know, and there's, there's so much studies on ways to develop these techniques, not just from uh, the fellowship standpoint, but what they teach in rehab. And mm-hmm. Banyan Treatment Center, I'm a rep for, and they just do an amazing job at it as well. They've got 11 properties. And um, I also have a call center number.
0: People oh, want really? to reach
1: out to me for help.
0: it's eight
1: eight eight six Darren D A R R E N? So even if you don't have the funding for treatment, we scholarship people.
0: Oh, nice. Well, what is um, a banyan, for example, like? And your take on someone who's in a lot of pain and might actually need? I'm huge. That's,
1: that's I'm, awesome. I'm huge. Now that I live in California on the cannabis movement, the CBD movement, I don't take it myself. But if your life can get, the quality of your life can get that much better and you're functioning and it's not unmanageable from taking too many opiates or anxiety medication, you can switch to one of those. Why not do
0: it? Yeah. Um, I've, I've, I've tried the CBD thing for my headaches and it doesn't work, it doesn't unfortunately. Work. There's
1: so many different ones. That's the problem. Right. So I've given it to my mom. She's tried four or five different companies, but nothing's worked yet. Just have to keep trying.
0: Yeah. What What is your goal, you know, for the next 10 years of
1: being so I just want to stay on this mission one day at a time and help as many people as possible. I think Prince Martin Group more or less takes care of itself. We're very established, thank God, with some amazing clients. And I just think the more I give to the world, everything else seems to fall in place in, in my life at this point because it's the greatest thing I've done for myself for the longest amount of time.
0: Yeah. Agreed. And uh, next year I will have 11 years. So I thank you so much for keeping it real with me. Everybody, uh, well, what's your Instagram for the book? It's
1: at agent underscore BP and official darrenprince.com is my website.
0: All right. Well, I'm so glad I finally got to meet you. I've seen this book everywhere. Check it out, guys. Aiming hi. And Darren Prince, thanks for keeping it real with me. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to Keeping It Freel, Conversations on Recovery, which is produced by KTLA and EverTalk TV. We would love for you to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And to see video versions of my interviews, head to ktla.com slash Find me on all of my social media at Courtney Freel. Have a great day.